Welcome to Innovators Unleashed. Join your host, leadership expert, Clinton Henry, as he embarks on a journey through the realm of talent leadership, engaging with trailblazing thought leaders from around the world. Here's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking to author Dan Freeling. Dan is a leadership and career coach who has some really compelling ideas around career planning, especially for millennials. He is the author of the recently released book, The Career Design Map. Let's dive in. So Dan, I'm so excited that you're here for a multitude of reasons. Um, The first is you get to finally settle a debate between my wife and me. What is a millennial? What's the age cutoff? Who's an elder millennial versus a zenial? Like, what is the, how do you view it? It's such a great question. And the, the definitions are all over the place. I basically see it as anyone currently in their late 20s to early 40s. So about 27, 28 to somewhere around 42 or 43. Um, I think the exact age cutoff is less important than that general generational zeitgeist that comes along with it. That's that's really a strong way of looking at it. Thank you. Okay, that's that's wide enough to where my wife wins the argument. I think, which is fine. Uh, so, you know, in your book, which congratulations on publishing, by the way. Thank you. Um, you make the argument that old school career advice no longer works. What is old school career advice, and why is it no longer effective? Yeah, thanks for that. It's such a it's such a great question, and. I think how I define old school career advice is this linear approach to career that was really designed to work well in the industrial era. So this idea that you would understand what schools you should go to, what types of careers you should enter, and your main job was to fit in, slot into pre-existing jobs, pre-existing career paths, keep your head down, follow those. And that was the way to win in career. It was basically, how can I fit into the industrial era working world? And I think we're at the late stages of a transition into this next era. So this innovation era, knowledge economy, passion economy, it goes by a number of different names. I think it's all getting at the same thing, which is you're now tasked with figuring out something that's both highly adaptable So you have to be ready to change, adapt, continuously learn, experiment, grow, and at the same time, highly personal. So you have to be doing differentiated work that's uniquely you, that's purpose-driven, that's meaningful, because you're no longer in this economy where conformity is rewarded. You're in an economy where unique differentiation is rewarded more and more, and the sort of low-hanging fruit benefits of maximizing output and minimizing um, anything that's going to get in the way of that output is is waning. And I think this new economy is what can we create? What can we build? How can we have relationships? All of these new ways of looking at work. So that's that's the difference I see in it. So how should millennials think about career and leadership development if, if they're not going to have that old mindset? Yeah, so that, that's the crux of my book is this strategic way of thinking about it. So I, I have a lot of coaching clients who are millennials. They're getting into managerial, senior specialist, director, VP, even founder type positions. And 
what they what they always run into is basically I know I have to be ready to change. I have to be ready to adapt. Um, but at the same time, I want to be intentional and purposeful. And what I did was put together this framework called the career design map. And it's a way, instead of looking at what specific jobs should I be looking at doing, what specific career paths should I be looking at doing, because we, we know that five years out, 10 years out, things will likely have changed and there may not even be, the job might not even exist that you're looking to do, or it might change in such a fundamental way that this pulls back and looks at it at a more strategic level of what type of meaningful work do I want to be doing? And I can get into the four meaningful career types. And then also equally importantly, what type of dangerous seas, I call them, do you want to avoid? And think looking at both of those in a really high level strategic way is helpful in giving people a framework, giving people a grounding in a really confusing era of career and leadership development. Yeah, so let's hit both of those. Can you, can you kind of walk through the, the, the meaningful four career types there are? Absolutely, yeah. So there's uh, the contributor, the go-getter, the expert, and the executive. Um, just pulling back overall, the career design map basically has an x-axis and a y-axis. And the x-axis is career advancement. So starting over on the way left-hand side of the graph, um, you'll have too little career advancement. And then on the way right, you'll have too much. Like when you're um, you're experiencing everyone around you saying how great you are all the time. So um, basically for the meaningful four, the contributor is the type of person who enjoys their job. They contribute to the team. They show up, they do a good job, but other areas of their life are more important to them. Um, the go-getter is higher up on their leadership. So they're, they're both in that like kind of lower to mid level of career advancement, but they're much higher on the leadership axis. And the go-getter is basically leading above what would be expected of their level. So this is the kind of person who's really going above and beyond day in, day out on the team. They're the up and comer. They're that go-getter. Um, the expert is further to the right. It's higher on career advancement. Um, but lower on that leadership. So this is someone who's has a strong career. They make a lot of money. They're highly valued at their organization or even as a freelancer or as their own entrepreneurship um, venture. But they're not focused on leading others so much as they're focused on being an individual contributor in a very strong way. And then the executive is the pinnacle of the career design map. Is It's both well-advanced in career and well-advanced in leadership, but not to these extreme levels that we'll get into in a moment. Um, and the executive is really where people can make their greatest impact. You're, you're leading at a sustainable clip. Your career is advanced to a degree where you're um, really accomplished, where people respect you, where you're able to bring people together, get things done, but you're not in this arrogant bubble um, as well. So that the executive is really the, the pinnacle of this map. Gotcha. And you mentioned briefly the dangerous seas. Can you just briefly touch on what those are? Absolutely. So those are invisibility. So this is the one that is the extreme low end of career advancement. And this is when no one is noticing you, when you're not able to express what you do uniquely well, when people are not listening to you. I think a lot of people in long-term job search, unemployment, modes find themselves in this invisibility 
um, camp. And it's um, basically that career axis is defined as confidence in yourself and from relevant others. So it's when you're too low in self-confidence to really put yourself out there. And at the same time, those around you are not really understanding why they should bring you onto their team, why you should be a part of their organization. Um, on the other end, the other extreme of career advancement is what I call arrogance. So this is another dangerous C. This is when, and it's kind of counterintuitive, but you're actually too advanced um, in your confidence in yourself and from other people around you to a degree where it makes it really, really hard to welcome in new ideas, to get honest feedback. You're surrounded by yes people. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a really dangerous seat to find yourself in. Um, the other dangerous seat is so too low on leadership. So that's the y-axis of the graph. Um, so too low on leadership is what I call disengagement. So there's these Gallup statistics that are out there on the level of disengagement in the workforce. And they're always shocking. They're always 60 something percent of US workers are actively disengaged in the workplace. And this is when there's too little leadership. And by leadership, I mean enabling others to achieve a common purpose. So you're just disengaged, you're pulled back from finding meaning and purpose in your work and helping your team succeed. And that's that's that disengagement one. Um, too high on leadership, the other extreme is what I call burnout. And it's when you're basically shouldering the responsibilities of your organization, of your team on yourself in a really unsustainable way. And that's leading to you feeling like you're personally responsible for saving the organization, saving your team. And that, that's what I think leads to this burnout epidemic that we're facing as well. That's fascinating. Yeah, the, the Gallup Q12 is is always interesting to look at. Um, and, Absolutely. You know, uh, and the level of engagement levels uh, that throughout organizations. And then when people make changes, how drastically engagement levels of your, of your talent can change as well. So that's that's really interesting. Spot on. Do you, yeah. do you have uh, advice on, you know, for, for millennials on how you can act with purpose and be adaptable in, in your career planning? I think that's exactly, that's exactly the, the crux of this, this greater design map. So it's, it's basically doing this ongoing deep work of figuring out what drives you, what impact you want to make in the world, what gives you meaning, what gives you purpose. Um, and I really like to focus on that, that impact portion of it as well, because there's so much of this self-help advice out there that's very sort of self-centered. That's like, I want to do this. I'm passionate about it. So I'm going to do it for me. And that part of it's important, but I think it's even more important to have a purpose that also has an impact. Um, on others. And it's something that you obviously grow and develop and refine over time, but it really requires you trying things out, um, taking on different types of roles, working with mentors, coaches, sponsors, um, trusted family and friends in your life, just all, all kinds of people to really get honest feedback along the way, um, figuring out where your unique strengths and gifts lie and then how you can maximize those, also stretching out of those so you're not just continuously in um, the same sort of cycles. So that's the that's the, the meaning and purpose piece. And I think it combines really well with the adaptability piece um, of, again, this, this experimentation, this continuous learning, this continuous growth. And I think to thrive in 
this emerging economy that we're going into, this innovation economy, this knowledge economy, that you need to be doing both that that deeply you, deeply human, deeply personal work, and that deeply adaptable work as well. So uh, when I was going through some of the literature around stuff you produced, the, the one thing that kept coming to mind was brand. And I think how, how, you know, people didn't talk about their brand 15 years ago, and now you are your brand and you own your brand. And do, do you talk to people, um, the people that you coach about, uh, being strategic about the efforts that you have within the work environment to bolster your brand? So like, if you wanna be an executive, don't do, the, don't do the things that make you an expert, really do the things that, you know, sell you as an executive, right? Does that ever come up or people just kind of flailing and being not strategic and just trying to do too many things? I think that's such a it's such a great point. And I, I really do think the, the branding is is critical. I think that branding in a non-trivial way, that branding in a non sort of performative way is a lot of where I see my clients going and needing to go is it's less of like I'm going to be a you know, TikTok influencer or something or I'm going to have this sort of shiny brands that doesn't have any real depth or meaning to it. It's really that brand in the sense of that career d development access, that having that confidence in yourself, having a clear message of what type of work you're aiming to do, um, what value you bring to it, and then building that confidence of other people um, being so key. So I, I definitely think that that branding, but in a real genuine, authentic way is going to be key. And especially as AI automation, all of these other new technologies start to really take off. I, I think it's it's gonna be more imperative than ever to really have a brand that's deeply you and deeply human and not something that's easily replicable or easily, easily replaceable with any of these new technologies. Yeah, I think being unreplaceable and unoutsourceable is, is, is critical and having a strong brand is part of that. You know, I, I, uh, the reason I know that so well is because I've made that same mistake. I had a coaching conversation um, with, with one of my mentors and I was talking about like, oh, I just, I don't feel like I'm doing all these things, but I'm not getting noticed. And, and he asked a really good question. He's like, well, do you, well, what do you want to be? You want to be this type of leader or this type of person? And he basically said two different people with wild, like both executives, both, both strong leaders, but one was very technical and one's more of like a, a, a people leader. And I'm like, oh, I want to be that one. He's like, well, the, all the stuff you're doing is is not strategic. You're just kind of it. so having a, a plan, a goal, and then working towards that is, is is massively important. So I'm so happy that that I wasn't just uh, I wasn't the only one, and that there are other people that have uh, uh, you know make that mistake. What other mistakes are people making in their career strategy that you see from a coaching perspective? That's, that's huge. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, first of all. And I, I couldn't agree more. It's that I think a lot of coaching really boils down to what do you really want and helping people to articulate that and then providing the relevant framing and helping them to come up with their own next steps of, of how they want to achieve that. So I, I think that's really great. Um, other mistakes that I see people seeing. So one that's very recently coming to mind is I, I have a career design quiz that's part of this um, book. So it's at careerdesignquiz.com. It's a companion to the, the book and the framework. It can be really helpful. And I've seen a lot of people who would get 
their current state as a go-getter. So they were in that leading above what would be expected of their level and then getting their future state, their desired state as arrogant. And I was wondering if there was something going on with the quiz for a bit. And I, you know, I've refined this quiz over, over a year now of, of really honing it in and running people through it and changing it around and all of that. And it happened a few times recently. And I, I realized that there is this mistake that people are making now where they're just going full on into being driven and they're, they're going full out and they're more, 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 more is always better. That hustle and grind kind of a mindset. And what I think that leads to is a lot of what you were experiencing when you were talking with your mentor and getting those coaching conversations is this sort of idea that like you're throwing everything at everything you have at career advancement and trying to just be the best and be, be, you know, be an executive and be this, this higher level without having that really strategic, like what do you actually want and what lifestyle do you want? What work environment do you want? What impact do you want to make? What do you find meaningful? How do you want to contribute to that? And giving some of that thought rather than that sort of um, just straight climber mentality, that straight ambition mentality is, is really critical. Um, I think on the flip side of that, there's also this quiet quitting phenomenon that is seemingly popular. I'm not sure how popular it actually is in practice, but it seems like it's a social media um, trend largely. And I, I think that's also equally damaging and dangerous um, to buy into this idea that you're going to do sort of the bare minimum and that everyone is out to get you and companies are out to get you and you have to just really protect your own time and not put yourself out there and not do that. I think that's sort of the flip side of this, this hustle and grind, this achiever mindset is this, um, you know, sort of quiet quitting, disengaged, um, what have you mentality. And I think it's just key, both in my coaching and in the career design map of striking that balance that works for you. And it's not going to be the same for everyone, but really finding out what do I really want and how can I strategically go after that? That's great. Yeah, the quiet, you know, I've been in leadership for almost 15 years and I can tell you that uh, they call it quiet quitting now, but it's been around for a long time and it, and it goes <laughs> down to, to disengagement, right? And just not Absolutely. being engaged and, and that's really about not being aligned with like having autonomy, mastery, purpose aligned to um, to your work and just being focused on something else. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so, at, you know, from a leadership perspective, you know, a lot of listeners here are leaders. They lead millennials. Um, I remember, you know, millennials are the worst generation, you know, this is the worst people and that now it's right. they're the worst. Everybody's the worst generation. Well, what advice do you have for leaders on, on how to engage with millennials? Um, if, if they have, you know, like you said, the late twenties to early forties, that's a significant portion of the entire workforce. Right. So, so do you have specific coaching or advice for leaders who have a lot of millennials on their team? Yeah, you're, you're so right. It's a, it's a huge chunk of the workforce. It's over 35%. Um, so I think this, this sort of idea of, oh, these are a, a terrible generation that I can't work with. It's just, that's just a not starter. You can't not work with a third of your generation, a third of your uh, entire workforce generationally. Um, and similarly to the Gen Z, you, you can't also dismiss an entire incoming um, generation in the workforce. So I think what it, it really comes down to for working with millennials is realizing a, that, that age range and career range is now getting them into manager, director, VP, 
high level leadership positions. Some are in executive roles, but I think that's it's really working in partnership with them and not trying to fix them, not trying to be condescending or patronizing to them, but really working in a partnership capacity um, with these leaders and realizing that they're very purpose-driven. I think that's the key of understanding the millennial drive is this, this real desire for purpose and meaning. And it's something where, you know, there's going to be all different working styles across generations and everyone's, you know, there's, there's different people within a generation that have different working styles. But I think if you can tap into that true partnership and ensuring that the work is actually genuinely meaningful and purposeful, you have a unbelievable generation of leaders to help move your organization forward and advance your um, mission and purpose as an organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's uh, a wonderful thought and I think a great spot to end it. That's it for today's episode of Innovators Unleashed. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and share the podcast with others. Follow your host on social media at The Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.